1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: hello and welcome back to mads world i'm your host mads and i hope you have been enjoying the show so far If you do like the show please remember to subscribe rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform and follow me on instagram it's madsworld.mp3 this week i'm joined by sharon gafka who starred in the latest season of love island in 2021 Before her journey in the villa, Sharon was a civil servant for the Department of Transport in the UK as well as a former beauty queen. She was also Miss International UK in 2018. Sharon is passionate about female empowerment and there were times in the villa when other islanders were intimidated by her career ambitions. She also had a discussion about her sexuality and her experiences dating as a mixed-race woman in the UK, which ITV chose not to air. Up next, you'll hear my chat with Sharon all about her time on Love Island as well as her perspectives on modern expectations on women, sexuality and the stigma of bisexuality and dating as a mixed-race woman in the UK. Hi, Sharon. Hi. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I've just smashed a triple shot coffee. How are you?
3: I'm good thank you um, I love that you had a coffee before this And I've just been eating cheese So,
2: <laughs> Oh my god Have you heard about cheese dreams before If you eat cheese before bed You have funky dreams apparently Um, I've heard of that But I eat cheese with pretty
3: much every meal And I've never Same. had that So maybe I'm like amu- immune to it You know when people are like immune to caffeine from coffee
2: Yeah your tolerance yeah. is like way high <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today and I think everyone else listening is going to be absolutely buzzing to hear about everything that you have to share with us. So I thought we could start off with some speed date questions and then get into more of a discussion later on about some more interesting topics. So where were you when you first found out you were going on Love Island and what was your reaction?
3: Um, I actually think I was walking my dog when I found out I was going on Love Island. Yeah, um I, so I was stood in like the, the middle of a street or a field or something mm-hmm. really random. Um I was trying to be really composed because I think like there were other dog walkers around me, so I didn't want to <laughs> be like just like, screaming in the middle of the field. Um, <laughs> and my dog's really excitable as well. So if I start being like that mm. she'll she'll be insane as well. So yeah, I um I remember trying to play it off as like really cool, being like, "Yeah, that's fine," like whatever, but um I think inside my head I was like, "Oh, crap like oh my god <laughs> it's actually happening i was like oh because you know the chances of en- ever ending up in the villa is so slim
2: yeah um, yeah,
3: yeah you never like i genuinely never thought that i would even get on it so to have that phone call i was like oh god what did i do
2: <laughs> god it's wild and how far out was it how much time did you get like notice uh i think i had like Four weeks, maybe. Okay. So you've got enough time to sort of prepare yourself, pack all your outfits and everything.
3: Yeah. So it was like four weeks notice, but it was more like you had, you know, it three week countdown. We had to do all the press days, all the photo shoots and stuff like that. So oh, you know, yeah. it sounded like you had a lot of time, but realistically, there was like zero time.
2: Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, and I'm sure it flew by as well. So, what surprised you most about your time in the villa?
3: I think the thing that surprised me the most is that uh, you know I got on with everyone Mm. Um, you know like being you assume that everybody that's going into into something like love island is very strong in terms of personality very big personalities and when you're in each other's face 24 7 you you know you you assume there will be clashes Mm -hmm. Um, whereas you know when i was there there wasn't really much of that going on you know you'd always have the occasional tiff here and there about food and all that stuff but it wasn't like (laughs) anything massive Um, so yeah, that really, really surprised me.
2: When you say food, what do you mean about food? Like who's ate whose food and stuff? Basically, can the boys just stop eating
3: everything. So like (laughs) all of the snacks and stuff, but you know what boys are like, right? Yeah. (laughs) They they see something in the cupboard and it can't just sit there. So, um, yeah. So I think it was one of those things that they kept eating all the cookies before we could, but (laughs) it wasn't anything major.
2: (laughs) It sounds like sharing, (laughs) like being in a house share, but to the extreme, like someone eating your food out of the fridge and everyone just kicks off.
3: (laughs) It literally is like being in a very extreme house share and like you're you're in the same bedroom and stuff. So, yeah, it's basically like that.
2: Oh, fun. And um, what did you learn about yourself whilst on Love Island?
3: I think one thing that I learned a lot about myself is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy as I am and I, I don't mm-hmm. need, so obviously my time in the villa, I never really had that really strong romantic connection with people, but I mm-hmm. learned for myself that I, I don't need to rely on somebody else for validation. Yeah. Um, and I'm perfectly happy as I am and that there will eventually be somebody that wants somebody who's like me. So I think it reinstated that, that part of myself that I shouldn't have anyone's validation,
2: and that is such a cool lesson to learn as well, especially out of a show like Love Island, which is kind of designed to find the one and everything. I think leaving and being more confident in yourself is such a cool, a cool feeling to leave with.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think one of my biggest fears about going in was coming out feeling worse about myself than yeah. You know, that's you know, it's a lot of people's fears, especially as a young woman. Um, but that didn't happen, and if anything, I left feeling better about myself. Amazing. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I was really lucky in that sense.
2: Yeah, and you've been smashing it since i mean you've been um i've been watching your instagram stories and absolutely loving them i've seen you've been catching up with um <laughs> all of the all of the other islanders who've who have left the villa so this is a spicy question for you is there anyone in the villa now or who has left since that you have your eye on for the rap party
3: oh no <laughs> i get asked questions like this all of the time i yeah, I think, you know, the ones that I was in the villa with are very much mm. like family now. Um, yeah. So I think pretty much the door is kind of closed on that. <laughs> um, obviously, I've never met any of the or more boys. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not closing the door completely, but so Ooh. far it's just all friendly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I see everyone on Instagram keeps asking if you and Aaron are an item and you're like, we're just friends. So can you clear it up now for everyone? Are you and Aaron <laughs> an item? <laughs>
3: Oh, I honestly, both of us are, are so frustrated <laughs> about having this question asked to us because we um, are just such good friends. But yeah, yeah, Aaron and I are not an item. I'm really sorry to everyone that really wants it to happen, <laughs> but it won't.
2: <laughs> oh, there you go, everyone. Listy, you heard it here first. Well, you heard it here second because you've said it on your Instagram. <laughs> um, so, who are you still close with since having left the villa? Because obviously, it must be such a whirlwind experience being in there, and you probably can't wait to see all of the OGs that you started with to leave. But who have you been? been spending the most time with since you've left i think since i've left um i would probably say
3: chugs and brad are probably the two people that i'm closest mm-hmm. to in terms of like speaking frequently yeah um and having spent the most time with since leaving
1: mm-hmm.
3: um yeah i would say those two i am pretty much close to aaron and hugo as well like we all went mm-hmm. out for for drinks and food but i'd probably say brad and chugs
2: oh nice and do you live in london is it easier with um all the islanders that live in london to catch up and stuff um, I, well, I don't live in London. Um, oh. I used
3: to until recently, but mm-hmm. I live very close in terms of like travels. So I think it's like 35 minutes
2: oh, too easy. Um, into
3: central London. Yeah. So, I mean, Brad, bless him, has to do like a massive trek. Yeah, um, it's
2: massive. He's in Newcastle, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah and because he's
3: such a small town boy Ugh. watching he he was like he was in um St Pancras station yeah. and he was like I'm outside M&S but I don't think he realized how big the station was and there's three M&S's uh-huh. so I was and this station is huge so li- people were watching me running around the station <laughs> looking for Brad and like the silly van was sort at the other end like the complete other end of the station so oh yeah no God. um We try to make the most of it when everyone is in London together.
2: Oh, that's really cute. It's like Brad's big day out. It comes to the big city, like country boy. (laughs) (laughs) It is like that. I think. Chugs and I said
3: that we're going to make a list of everything Brad has never done, oh. and we're going to do it all with him. So like, he told us he'd never been to Harrods, and like, we took him in there. We, I got a photo of him stood outside, and he looked truly really that is <laughs> so, yeah, so precious. <laughs> Brad's tourism day in London, oh and you can God. tell he's never been in London before because of how he stands on the tube. I was like, Brad, you need to stand on the other side of the <laughs> escalator, otherwise <laughs> you're going to really upset people. Someone's going to push him <laughs> down
2: the escalator. Yeah,
3: literally. So
2: like an, an angry commuter.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, literally. He was like, and then he was. Like, what do you mean? And then, like, I moved him, and then all these people started rushing down. He was like, Is this normal? Oh. I was like, Yeah, you're in London now.
2: Like, this is completely normal. Like, oh, bless him. That's so cute. Who are you most excited to see when they leave the villa? So, obviously, it all wraps up very soon. So, who are you going to be straight on their WhatsApp? Like, let's hang out.
3: Um, Faye 100%. Like, yeah. she is, she was my like kind of day one, the girl I was closest to. I, I was yeah. close to like Kaz and Lib as well, but Faye was like kind of like my blonde partner in crime. Um, And, you know, I've heard from people that have left the villa since that she was really upset when I left Um, and people that entered the villa after I left, like she'd spoken really highly about me to them. So that was really nice. And um, she's also one of those people that have never ventured into the capital for a night out. So (gasps) I feel like I have to, I have to do that with her.
2: Yes. You need to take a London night out virginity. That's going to be so fun. I know I'm really excited and she does strike me
3: as someone who'd be really fun on a night out so yeah I'm really excited to do that
2: (laughs) oh she's gonna love London clubbing and everything now that clubbing isn't back I went to a gay club the other night and it was just like old times it was really fun
3: oh no yeah I went to the races the weekend with my friends and that was like it was so good just to have everybody like in the sunshine drinking
2: oh my god it's amazing isn't it and um, what was it like arriving back in the UK at the airport like was there lots of paparazzi there was your family there were your friends there what was the the whole experience like um I
3: actually think so for me it was very low-key I wanted okay. it to be very low-key um yep. so it was I kind of just got um taken by security and my chaperone from New mm. to the UK and then had someone else pick me up at the airport to take me home yeah um my parents are looking after my dog so oh. they they didn't fancy taking her to the airport because she's just too excitable <laughs> um but um, yeah, I wanted, to, I didn't want to really draw a lot of attention to myself because I really didn't know what it would be like. And I think mm-hmm. because of COVID travel restrictions, there wasn't that many people at the airport anyway.
2: Oh yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And did you guys yeah. have to isolate going in there, like all the COVID precautions and everything?
3: Yeah. So we had to, when we flew out to Mallorca, it had to be a minimum of two weeks in holding before you could go into the villa to be part of the bubble.
2: Oh, my God. I guess it would be a nightmare if everyone in the villa had COVID and they're walking around coughing and stuff.
3: Yeah, literally, because, like, you wouldn't be able to have any of the, like, producers and stuff in the villa. So, yeah. yeah, we had a lot of COVID tests. My, like, do you know what? Sometimes I think the COVID test did more waking up than any kind of coffee I've ever had. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it was um very strict in terms of like the COVID restrictions.
2: Yeah, of course. And my final question for this kind of keeping it light round is, and I'm going to um, drop this episode on the day of the finale. So everyone listening is um, going to be watching the finale tonight, technically. Um, So who do you think is going to win Love Island?
3: Um, I actually think it would be Chloe and Toby, you know. I think I kind of like people forget about them sometimes, but actually they've grown so much as characters um obviously because Chloe came, Toby was a day is an OG Chloe came in on day one and like seeing them watching them now on TV I'm like these are not the same people that I met yeah. when we went in um and you, when I was there you could tell they were just so smitten with each other they were basically inseparable yeah um and yeah I I think they're gonna win
2: yeah I think I'd like to see Millie and Liam win just because I love Millie I think she's amazing but I think Chloe and Toby they've got the fan support like they're just funny they're so funny
3: yeah, like I love Millie as well and I do think her and Liam's relationship is very genuine, but mm. because of the banter that Coe and Toby bring, like I just think they'll get the popularity vote.
2: Yeah, honestly, them sharing that spaghetti like Lady in the Tram, I was like this is the kind of relationship that I want. I just want something that is just <laughs> like funny all the time, you know?
3: Yeah, watching them with the baby as well. Like, that was really funny. Like, (laughs) the way Chloe reacted when Toby was like skipping down the drive onto his golfing trip. Like, she was just raging. And that is so, like, that had me in tears. It was so funny. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, they are amazing TV. So, that is all of our speed date question rounds. And in the middle of this podcast, we usually, because it did start out originally as a dating podcast where everyone would share their funniest and tragic dating stories. And it's kind of evolved into, you know, we explore some more issues and stuff. But I do love this segment. So I'm wondering, what is your funniest or your most tragic dating story? You can have a couple, you can have one, like just sift through and give me the best you've got.
3: I'm trying to think now because I feel like (laughs) all of my dating endeavors are very tragic. Oh
2: my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do
3: remember like one particular date, this guy, had taken me to Shoreditch. Yep. To like I think it was like Brick Lane and no, all of the restaurants down, yep. down there. Um, the
2: Indian restaurants? The, what is it called? The Indian Mile yeah. or something? Yeah. He
3: took me to one of those Indian restaurants, which we all <laughs> know is never first date food, right? It's That's not... more like comfortable relationship food because you don't care that each other smell yeah. um, after you've been eating like really garlicky naan bread and stuff
2: like that. Yeah, and you're on the toilet <laughs> um, afterwards. Like you're not going to go <laughs> back for a one-night stand and then be like, I have to use the toilet like 10 times in a row. <laughs> So yeah, that was a bit
3: of a, that was new for me oh my God. Um, And I'm one of those people, I cannot share my food for the life of me <laughs> um, Like especially when it's not, when it's not really sharing food Like Curry's not really sharing food to me it's not. Um, And I remember like sitting across the table from him It was like a blind date, I think one of, yep. I took one for the team And one of his friends fancied one of my friends So I thought I would just be a good wing woman
2: Yeah,
3: um, <laughs> And he was basically like eating off my plate Mm-hmm. but mixing all of the food, like, so my food was mixed with his food and it was just like a really big mess. It was like watching Feeding Time at the zoo. Um, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't eat any of my food. And I tried to be really polite after and be like, look, I'm going to go home now. And I tried every excuse <laughs> under the sun to leave because there was no window in the bathroom. I would never do that. But like, there was no other way of like me getting out of this situation. Um, somehow uh-huh. I ended up in his flat. Good. And he was a little <laughs> bit. Oh yeah, I know. I was a little. He was a little bit older than me. Yeah. And he was playing music to me as if I'd never heard any like other genres of music before
2: oh my god so he was like
3: oh you bet you're too young to know this and like and I was like what you, like you're literally like five years older than me I don't know why you're thinking like it was oh my it was god. really
2: bad this is like when people show you a band and they're like it's a little band you may not have heard of them they're just called the um the arctic monkeys and you're like oh <laughs> wow oh, <laughs> I'm really so glad indie. you showed
3: me this <laughs> like I never would have known um, yeah <laughs> and like oh. it was like one of those and then he was trying to like I think at one point he was trying to get me to give him a massage I was like sat on the <laughs> end of his sofa with my coat and my shoes on right <laughs> next to my handbag right? A bag bag in my hands so, like I'm gonna do the next runner I physically can oh and he God. was like trying to get me to give him a massage and then he was like trying to convince me to stay over. And he had a very typical boys flat. Like it was disgusting. Oh God, did I it have New can...
2: York, New York pictures on the wall? I think he had New York bedding. I'm no, not lie. Sharon, no. Yeah, no.
3: <laughs> it was like everything was giving me the ick in this flat. And I was looking around. I was like, please get me out. Um, oh my God. And then he went to the toilet and I ran out the flat. <laughs> and no you didn't I, I ran out the flat and what was even more awkward is I ran the wrong way to the tube station so I had to run back the opposite <laughs> way back past his flat. But he's popping his head out the door like hello yeah I think he saw me like out of his window running back the opposite direction <laughs> and <laughs> and then um he saw me on the tube the week after so I had to get <sighs> off the tube four stops too early
2: (laughs) oh my god that's the thing with London there's nine million people here but sometimes you always run into a person that you don't want to see
3: yeah that I think we worked near each other so that was that was pretty tragic for me like I saw him (sighs) he saw me and I'd like kind of semi-ghosted him so I was like oh no (laughs) so I'd like run off the tube all stops too early and I had to I gave it a couple oh. of more tubes that went by before I got back on another one I like Just how you safe. said
2: I like how you said semi-ghosted when you literally physically ran away from it like you 100% <laughs> ghosted him oh my god
3: oh no I feel bad because I don't like no he did message me being like oh um I hope you get home safe and I went Yeah, I'm just really tired. So I (laughs) responded to that. But this is after I ran away from this, like literally 10 minutes after I ran out of his slut. Yeah, that was probably my most tragic story. And my friends still find it funny to this day that I'm like having to run away from fully grown men.
2: I love (laughs) that. It's such a vibe.
3: And oh. do you know what? It was even worse. I didn't even get any of my food because it was just like, I don't understand what's happening here.
2: Yeah, that's the thing when people try to share food. They're like, oh, we can just, you know, share. And I'm just like, no, you order what you want. I'm ordering what I want. I don't want yours. Like, if you want what I'm ordering, no, literally, and if order it for half.
3: If yeah. I'm paying for my
2: half, then I deserve to eat the food that I'm paying for. Oh <laughs> my God. He sounds, I'm imagining this like pig in a trough tr- type situation, just like eating at really high speeds. It was exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it looked
3: like. And they pretty much turned around to me and said, oh, you're too posh for me. And I was like, what? Because I could eat with it getting it all over me. Oh my and the God. the table. I was like, oh no. I just remember looking at being like, oh, this is a very strange date. <laughs> oh God. I was and- like, I hope my friend really likes the other guy because I this. Is too much for one person to deal with.
2: Oh my God. I love that story. This is that is a classic Mads World story. We have so many <laughs> dating stories on this podcast, and this is just this is literally the epitome of what we love on here. So um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that one. So I thought we could have a bit of a discussion about a few more interesting topics because you were a really great feminist role model in the villa. And there were times in the villa when um, other contestants were intimidated by your career goals and your ambition and your drive for success. And I just wanted to talk to you about like, why do you think this is?
3: Well, I mean, it's something I've experienced pretty much before entering the villa anyway Mm -hmm. so it wasn't completely new to me but I think I think people were intimidated mainly because it was kind of a bit of an insecurity on their own behalf Mm -hmm. um or that the men that were in the villa at the time were very traditional and when I say traditional they assume that they are the breadwinner role Mm -hmm. and don't know how to function differently don't understand that it can be different Mm -hmm. um and don't understand that just because I have the career that I have doesn't make me any different as a person or a partner.
2: Um, Absolutely. And do you think women are expected to present themselves in a certain way to attract a partner?
3: I think so, yeah. I think, you know, I've experienced it before as well where you kind of put yourself into a smaller box or mm-hmm. dumb yourself down in a kind of way to to make, to, to massage their ego essentially and make them feel better. And um, You know, in relationships I've had, they, they need me to need them um, yeah. And that's why they've never really worked because I don't need them.
2: I definitely have felt certain pressures to flatten myself sometimes, which I try not to adhere to. I mean, there's so many men out there that say things like, I love ambitious women, I love someone who's driven. But when, you, when that's actually put in front of them, they can be intimidated or put off. And it's kind of this confusing dynamic where I feel like men are wanting this, you know, ambitious woman that's really career driven and stuff. But then at the same time, when they're presented with that, they are somewhat turned off. And it's sort of like where you know, you have to try and be as authentic as you can as a woman in that situation. But, you know, if we're presenting ourselves in a certain way to attract men, like, it's it's very confusing sometimes. I think it's
3: one of those things that having a strong, ambitious woman sounds really good on paper. Yeah. Um, Whereas when you actually meet that person and you realise, you know, I'm not going to massage your ego, I'm not going to tell you you're funnier than you are and I'm not going to tell you your dick's bigger than it is. Mm. Um, And then so it sounds good on paper and then when you meet that person, you have that person in your life, you're like, oh, actually because you're not making me feel as good as I need you to make me feel Mm -hmm. it's not working for me
2: yeah and do you think um in saying this do you think women are under a lot of pressure to juggle both a family and a career because this came up in your time in the villa as well
3: yeah I think they are oh do you know what I feel like there's always a lot of pressure that women not only to juggle it but to potentially give up a lot of the things they've worked hard for yeah um you know like in my parents generation my mum gave up her career to have the children that she's had and Mm -hmm. you know if that's what you if that's what my mum wanted to do and she was happy to do that then all the power to her and all the power to women that want to do that but it's a choice and it's not a choice that I want to do Mm -hmm. I think parenthood should be 50 50 and if I'm in a position in a relationship with somebody that I feel I'm ready to have children I want to I'd expect them to give up as much as I have to give up
0: to be able to have this child
1: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
5: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
2: as women get older as well, there's this pressure in these in-between years where half your friends have bought a house and have a baby and the other half of your friends are at a warehouse in Hackney Wick. And you're sort of trying <laughs> to figure out like this, like pull between, I want to go out and go to festivals and, you know, have autonomy on my own life and have a disposable income. But then there's part of you that sees other people progressing and whatever progressing even means, like progressing could mean so many things, but progressing with their relationship and children and housing and everything. And it's just like, there's this awful in between, not awful, but you know, in between pull with so many people having so many options in this generation. So how do you think this changes as women sort of get older? Do
3: you know what, actually, I think that Maybe that doesn't really necessarily apply to me because I am mm. probably the youngest person in my friendship group, or like yeah. the second to youngest. Yeah. Um. And my friends, only one of us, like in my closest circle, has a baby at this current moment in time. Yeah. Um. So we, are, at the moment, I don't really feel any needs or pressure to move quickly in that sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. But I do find that I do find maybe in modern society now, because we do have that autonomy over our bodies and we mm-hmm. do have like access to contraception and stuff. I don't think people are in a rush. Um, yeah. and I think that should be accepted. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some of my friends are in their early thirties and still don't have a baby yeah, and they're okay with that. And they know it's in their plan, mm-hmm. but, but my nan was 40 when she had my dad and uncle. Oh, so wow. yeah, I think personally, I don't necessarily feel that pressure, Yeah. but I can see why people would think that.
2: And I think a lot of people as well sort of compare their own age to their parents' age and how old they were when they had kids, but it's a different time. You know, it's it's 30 years later, I mean, women have a better focus on their career they have more control over their own lives and you know what they want to do to succeed and what they see as success like success for women now isn't just getting married and having a family
3: yeah no I agree and I think one of the conversations that I did have post like obviously so Aaron and I'd called it quits after mm-hmm. the whole like family conversation and yeah. I had a conversation within the next day after I'd like really thought about what was being said to me mm. um and I said to him that I was like you know it's easy for you to turn around and say these things to me, Mm -hmm. but you've, one thing that really frustrated me about the whole situation is it was all about him and how he Mm -hmm. felt and nothing about how I felt and my perspective and my point of view. And for me, that's why I wasn't really upset the relationship was ending because I think that can show a lot about somebody Mm -hmm. and it strikes me as very selfish in a relationship if you're only caring about your own feelings and your own perspective. And I said to him that, you know, the reason why I'm career driven, so my parents, my dad's second generation immigrant, my mum's a first Mm -hmm. generation immigrant, Mm -hmm. both grew up with nothing. My mum grew up in a country where poverty is rife and healthcare Mm -hmm. is unaccessible. Yeah. And- you know, I've had to work hard. So my my dad worked his ass off really to be able to make sure that my brother and I never have to want for anything, never have to worry about where our next meal comes from. Mm -hmm. And I said that to him, I was like, you know, we can say the money doesn't matter, but realistically in an adult relationship, when it comes to paying bills and considering children, money does matter. Yeah. Um, And I said to him, I never want to meet somebody that I'm really in love with. And We decide that we want children, but we can't because we can't financially afford it. Whereas if I've Mm. worked hard enough in my career and I've established myself enough that I, that my family will never have to want for anything, whether it's my parents or children or godchildren, Mm -hmm. that I'm okay with being that person. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I don't think he's seen that from a woman, like, I don't think he understands that a woman can do that.
2: Yeah. And I think it's really important that you had that discussion and that more people should have this discussion because I think if you do meet someone, these are the important discussions that you need to have upfront. Because I mean, with half of all marriages ending in divorce now, or whatever it is, it's because those foundational sort of elements haven't been discussed early on. And although it's an intense discussion to have, especially at a younger age, it's a really important one.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate that All of the marriages in my family have never ended in divorce. It's Mm. always been like a like marriages for life.
2: Yeah, Um,
3: and I that means I've got that pressure on myself that I want to be able to do the same. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I'm going to take marriage very seriously. Yeah, not saying that anyone doesn't, but like those are conversations that I want to have very early on. So I know that where I stand. Um, and I think that's what people find intimidating.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know what I want. Yeah, no, I think that that's very wise. And I think it was, it was actually a really progressive and a cool conversation to hear on Love Island. Cause I don't think those sort of issues have been raised on the show before. So it definitely got people talking, which was great. It's also been recently revealed that you had a really open discussion in the villa about sexuality and dating as a mixed race woman that wasn't aired by ITV. So can you tell me more about this and how this conversation went? Yeah, of course. So,
3: um, in terms of sexuality, obviously the first challenge that we'd really had was the horny devils challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously it came to light, like my sexual experiences with women. Mm -hmm. Um, Faye had obviously, like Faye and I are very blunt and upfront. So she turned around to me and said, so does this mean you're bisexual? And I turned around to her and I said, look, if I'm completely honest, I never put a label on it because I don't know. Like I've had sexual experiences with women, but I've never been in a natural relationship with a woman and I've never met a woman that I want to be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very confusing grey area, whereas does that make me bisexual does it not because I've never dated mm-hmm. a woman? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with bisexuality it is a very confusing grey area for some people if they don't really know like what the label is.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially if you yeah. have considered yourself straight your entire life. I guess sort of having those experiences and experimenting is it can be really confusing because you suddenly like, I don't know if I can identify with bisexual people or the LGBT community because I never have before. And yeah, I can imagine it's a really confusing position to be in. But how do you feel about the conversation not being aired and do you know the reason why it wasn't aired? Um, I think it
3: probably wasn't aired just for the simple fact that, you know, 24 hours in an hour period. Yeah. The conversation wasn't very in-depth. I think it was because we're just so blunt and upfront with each other. It was a yeah. bit more of like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I also like I, I personally I don't know why it wasn't aired. I feel like mm. the um the conversations when it came to race, because I think it was a bit more mm. candid and it was Quite, I don't really know the right word I think it was very honest in terms yeah. of Kaz and my experiences as, as a black woman and as a mixed race woman in mm-hmm. terms of dating I think that it it can be quite hard to watch yeah. and to listen to, to understand that these things happen but realistically I wanted somebody to be able to hear that because I don't want women that are black women and women that are mixed mm-hmm. race women to feel like they're alone in what happens
2: and what have your experience experiences been like dating as a mixed race woman, both in and out of the villa?
3: I think, you know, they're both equally as hard, but I do think it was harder in the real world. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously in the villa that being surrounded by a lot of women that are blonde yeah. um, was quite hard. But I do think the cast is more diverse year in terms of like having more races involved, mm-hmm. but were the people's types the same so like all of the girls mm. came in and said you know i'm open to meeting anyone i just need someone that's going to make me laugh whereas i feel like the guys were a bit more like kind of narrowed down on what their physical type
2: was so in terms of your experiences dating as a mixed race woman out of the villa how how have these sort of been for you
3: i think it's it has been challenging at times mm. and i do feel like you know as an asian woman you are hypersexualized mm. in the media you know there's always those Comments in films as, you know, Asian women mm-hmm. being portrayed as escorts or in mm-hmm. pornography, Asian women are fetishized. And, yep. you know, on dating apps, it transfers. And I don't think people realise that. And I don't think they realise what they're saying is harmful or hurtful. Yeah. Um, you know, I get a lot of comments saying that I look like certain film characters because they are also Asian, yep. which is really insensitive yeah. Um, but the, the guys kind of pass it off as like, well, actually, I fancied this character when I was a teenage boy, so you should take it as a compliment. And it's like, well, it's down to my decision whether I take it as a compliment or yeah. not. And if I find it offensive, then it's offensive.
2: 100%. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend recently about sort of where is the line between fetishization and having a type. This is my friend who is a black woman. She was saying if you look at your friends and the people you speak to on a regular basis, if you would approach a black woman or an Asian woman as a friend without a sexual motive then you can sort of see see the differences there but it is such a fine line to to walk but what would you say like is the is the main differences between fetishization and just simply having a type
3: I probably would say the same I think Mm. because like so I from my perspective my friendships are so diverse like I'm friends with mixed race Mm -hmm. women like Black women, white women, like mm-hmm. I've got such a broad range. And when it comes to my actual dating, I've noticed that in my own physical type mm-hmm. that there isn't there isn't really one.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, whereas like, you know, I've had loads of people turn around to me like I would never date an Asian person because they're usually like an ironing board, whereas you're not, so you're different. Oh, my God. So <laughs> that to me is fetishization. But when you watch Asian women in porn, like they've had certain aspects enhanced or you know like kind of cartoonized so they were they yeah. look a different way so things like that I've, i think it is very different i think a lot of people mm. are very narrow minded when it comes to like when it comes to race and dating i've had a lot of comments to me um i i remember dating a guy who made a comment about the color of my my nipples and my body parts saying that um he assumed because i was asian that they wouldn't look as as they do and i was like what does oh that even God. mean like what what are they supposed to look like? Please tell me because I'd really like to know.
2: Yeah, and like did he approach you with those preconceptions as well, which is just not okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean what was even
3: worse is that I was actually seeing this person and I'm pretty sure we were like sat in bed when he said these things to me. So that, I was a bit like, wow, that's, that's so shocking. shocking.
2: And um, going back to bisexuality, do you think that there is a stigma surrounding people who identify as bisexual?
3: I, I think there is. I think, you know, there's always that notion that you're greedy. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you want. That you're horny or you're desperate and you'll go for anything that moves. Mm-hmm. um Yeah, I've pretty much heard it all before. And then you know, I think as a bisexual woman, it's even worse because then you're like, oh well, you know, if you're a bisexual woman, then you or you'll be up for like X, Y, and Z, and you'll mm-hmm. be down to like f- like fulfill a man's fantasy Absolutely. about what a bisexual woman is. And it's like it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I want if whatever experience I want to experience is down to me and the other people involved,
2: mm-hmm. and I think women are often encouraged to explore their sexuality more because the patriarchy that governs our society deems bisexuality acceptable if it's done in a performative way for like the male gaze. So, and I think this sort of is like especially heightened and highlighted in in porn, which is obviously made primarily for men. It sort of normalizes female bisexuality, but then male bisexuality is rendered invisible.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I do think it must be really hard for bisexual men to Mm -hmm. kind of identify as that because I like from my experience of any bisexual man that I've ever met, it's, oh, you're just a closet gay or you're -hmm. you're not willing to come out as gay just yet. So you're going to tell people you're bisexual and it's like, actually, no, that this is how they identify. Mm -hmm. And that is also perfectly okay. Um, So I do think it is that like it's like, oh, you're just you're like trying the waters or you're not coming out as gay just yet.
2: Mm -hmm. and I think that it's quite common for bisexual people to be discriminated against by both the heterosexual world and then gay and lesbian communities it's sort of this middle ground where they're not on either end of the spectrum they're sort of in the middle which and I think everyone's sexuality is on a spectrum whether it's whether they identify as a certain sexuality or not yeah it's just so nuanced and it's so different it's such a different experience for every person
3: yeah I agree and I think sexuality is one of those things that's very fluid and Mm -hmm. um you know, there's nothing wrong with experimenting as long as you're doing it for yourself and you're not hurting anyone else when you're doing it.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, Well, that is all of my questions, Sharon, and you have been an absolutely amazing guest. I think you presented yourself so well on Love Island. You definitely raised some important discussions for everyone watching. And um, yeah, I just wanted to know if there's anything else, like a note you wanted to leave it on or um, yeah, anything, any final words for the podcast?
3: Um, I honestly think for me, like, you know, the one thing that I've managed to deal with in when in terms of trolling since coming out is knowing mm-hmm. that I've made a lot of women feel represented yep. or feel better about their stance on certain things. Um, so I think, you know, it's made the trolling so insignificant mm-hmm. that it's yeah, it's actually made me really happy and I'm really happy and like proud of myself of how I've managed to come across to other people and I'm really glad that I've managed to make a lot of people feel better about themselves.
2: Oh, Sharon, thank you so much. I have this really Australian urge to call you Shazza. Oh, and-
3: uh, go for it, my friends do anyway. <laughs> so. it's such an Australian thing.
2: Um, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You've been incredible and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my chat with the lovely Sharon Gafka. Please let me know on my Instagram. It's at madsworld.mp3. If you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share or get in touch through my website, it's madsworld.co. Love and elbow taps. Peace.